Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast and another episode of the Late Night Ramble. Joined today by a very special guest, we've got Mr. Aston Villa fan content, Mr. Aston Villa podcast, Mr. Dan Bardell himself. How are you doing, Dan? You all right? It's a very, very big introduction to be, to be fair, mate. I wasn't expecting that from you at all. I'm uh, good. Well, as, as Rafa says, mate, pure facts. That's it. <laughs> very kind, very <laughs> too kind. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. It's quite nice to do what do one quite late. Like I've, I've turned the lights on now because you, you put video on, but I was going to sit here in the dark and, and get into it a little bit. But I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to you. Obviously, you've come on the Villa View a couple of times recently, and I, I always like talking to you. And to be fair, I, I owe you as well for all the technical help you've given me when I was trying to buy a TV. So <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely owe you a few. That's all right, mate. Happy to help, mate. Uh, n- another career for me, maybe. You wouldn't be working at Curry's or something like that. Yeah, helping yeah. people with the TVs, uh, but no, no. Thanks for thanks for coming on, and thanks for having me on the Villa View. It's been great, great for the channel as well. well. I call it channel, but you know, the podcast. Um, uh, been great for us to uh, in terms of exposure and getting us out there. So I really, really appreciate it, and, and great to have you on. And uh, thanks for putting the lights on as well. So I've been able to see your. So people can't see this. Obviously, it's going to be audio only, but uh, you've uh, done something pretty drastic with your hair, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, a bit of a bit of a midlife crisis. I've been toying with the idea all year, really, because we've obviously been in lockdown and not been going out much. I've been toying with the idea of of bleaching my hair, and I finally got to the end of the year and done it. But it was it was a lot more of a slog than I was expecting. It's quite aching to to watching Villa, really. It's more of a slog than you expect. But I think I've got there in the end. But I think probably people will be glad that the podcast is audio only. What's the what's the inspiration? It was originally Aguero, but his hair's more silver, isn't it? And my hair's so dark that it just just wouldn't go silver. So we've settled on blonde now. I don't think my wife can take any more sessions dyeing dyeing my hair. So I think we're leaving it where it is now. I was saying, you sent me a picture yesterday. I was saying you uh, look like you're part of the Romanian (laughs) World Cup squad from back in the day. Made me laugh. That'd be a good reference that was. And probably fair as well, looking at that picture. Was it Dan Bailescu? Yeah, yeah. I, could, I was trying to think if I could think of any of their any of their players, and I, I can't think of any other than Dan Petrescu, the only one I can think of. Well, I think Georgie Georgie Hadji and Dan oh, Petrescu, yeah. the obvious and, one. Uh, that's about it, I think. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were a pretty good team though back in the day. Fair play. Yeah, they they did England, didn't they? With their yeah. blonde hair, that, 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 yeah. that trumped England. That did. Yeah, good team, good team. But anyway, um, today uh, late night ramble. We're obviously going to be doing DDACs. Uh, wouldn't be a late night rumble without it. So Dan's going to get, um, take this opportunity to put his three things that annoy him into Aston Villa Room 101. Um, he's going to have to beat James Rushton, who got three out of three last time around. So uh, big, big competition there. So uh, we'll see how he does. Should be an interesting one. Uh, but apart from that, we're going to talk a little bit about well, Aston Villa podcast and, and Dan's uh, current wide CV of, of, of podcasts, not just Aston Villa, but sort of general football as well and what his hopes and plans are going forward in terms of you know, a media career, talk about Aston Villa, obviously talk about the the last five or so games and what's gone right, what's gone wrong. Uh, and then spend a lot of time talking about the Wolves game and preview that as well and go into depth. I suppose before we start on that, Dan, um, how's it been in this sort of lockdown period for you uh, personally in terms of, you know, in terms of all the podcast work that you've been doing, you, you seem to have really upped your game in, t- in terms of, in terms of podcasts and, and meet the media work that you're doing. How, how's that been? 
Yeah, I, I can't really complain to be honest because being at home all the time has probably been beneficial to, to me. I think people look at me and think that all I do is, is media, but the reality is is that I have a, a normal nine, nine to five job whilst I'm trying to break in and doing presenting, but it's quite flexible. So it's enabled me to, to focus a lot more on my podcast, focus a lot more on my villa stuff. And in turn, now that's, that's given me a chance to expand out. Initially, I've, I've just obviously started with Who Scored, do, doing their new Premier League podcast. That was just about to happen before we went in, into, into lockdown. It was going to be in a studio. It was all set up and then COVID hit and it all got put on the back burner. And I just started to think, oh, well, bad timing. That, that's not going to happen now. But because of the way the world is now, everyone's been doing podcasts online. Everyone's been doing their shows online. So they've, they've, it's taken them all year, but they've decided, they've decided to run with it online now. So I'm really enjoying doing it because as, as much as I love talking about Villa, and I do love it, in my aspirations, that's only going to get me so far. So to be able to expand and be able to talk about other other sides of football now and do a show specifically on the Premier League, and I've got a few other irons in the fire at the moment as well. That, that that's really good for me, and it's a chance to to expand and a chance to show what I can do. So yeah, I can't have any complaints about lockdown really because it has been beneficial to me. It just hasn't been good for the social life. Yeah, no, I can imagine, and uh, I mean, I know personally speaking, you know. The fact that we've been in lockdown, it's been a great opportunity for me, for myself to to do something like this, a podcast that I've been wanting to do for a few years, because it is so, like you say, it's so easy to do it now remotely. Yeah. You don't need to be together um, like you were back in the day with, with the Villa View when you guys, you and Tom used to meet in London and, and do it in, in, was it Sky? I think you used to do it, didn't you, in the podcast? Yeah, booth, it uh, is. Yeah. So it's been a big change. I mean, I mean, looking back at the Villa View and, and what you're doing now, I mean, were you, Villa View has obviously been so successful uh, and it's been massive for for Aston Villa fans, and, and generally speaking as well as as a, as a fan channel. Were you always worried that you you might get pigeonholed uh, into sort of just doing Aston Villa stuff? Uh, you know, if you wanted to launch a media career, um, were, were you always conscious of that? And is that why you've decided to maybe try try something slightly different and, and a bit more generalist, if you like? Um, I think initially my goals were, were quite different. So when I, when I started and I got involved in, in the Villa View, my ambition would have been to, to work for Villa. That that was what I wanted to do. And I, I did it for a year for, at home games with Ian Taylor and I absolutely loved it. It was one of the best experiences of my life. That that year for me, the year we nearly went up, was such a mad year because it felt like everything was taking off. It felt like everything was headed in, in a certain direction. And then suddenly they, they don't go up. And my life gets gets flipped really from what was going to happen. The ownership changes, the people I was speaking to, the people I was involved with, they all go, and things change. And it and it, and it didn't happen. And a new regime coming in, and they have their ideas. I mean, let me just say the the new ownership coming in was like the best thing that could have happened for Villa, and I'm delighted that that it did happen. But probably for me personally at the time, it was it was quite a bad thing. But I'll, I'll take it because obviously I don't. Yeah. I, I want Villa to be able to pay tax bills. So yeah. and the, the new ownership coming in was massive for the club, and the club's certainly headed in in the right direction now. But personally, for me, it probably I probably took a bit of a hit off the back of that, and then it's probably taken a year or two to feel like I was heading in in the right direction again. And I was always I always leaned towards wanting to work for Villa, but as I say, I think things have changed now, and I, I watch a lot of football, and I, I love talking about football and. I think I carry a, a, a Premier League knowledge and a general football knowledge as well. So it, it's good to test myself because with Villa stuff, I can kind of get by with a lot of it with not doing any prep and not and just turning up and just doing it. But with Premier League and stuff, I, 
I do have to do a little bit of research. I do have to know what I'm talk- talking about a bit more. So it's, it's like been a different side of it. I was kind of in my comfort zone with the Villa stuff and that, now trying something else it has took me outside of, of my comf- comfort zone. Like today I've, I've done so much prep for stuff and I, I never do prep. The prep was Tom Julian at the Villa View. I, I just used to turn up and Tom had his notes and I just used to answer the questions that, that he'd thrown at me. Probably Tom leaving the Villa View as well. The, the Villa View was, was gone. We'd finished. Tom was moving to Germany. No one was doing podcasts remotely at that point. We, we didn't want to do that. We liked being in the booth together and doing it and that and that wasn't going to happen. But COVID hit again. We weren't going to games. It, it gave us a chance to try something and, and try and do these, these live shows. And sometimes it's worked. And as you know, sometimes it hasn't. But in, in the main, it, it's been really good and people seem to enjoy it. And there was a lot of people upset when, when the Villa View was over. So to, to bring it back and for us to stay up and then make a good start in the Premier League this season. I've actually really enjoyed doing all, all this media stuff. And, and at the moment, I'm really busy with it and long, long may it continue. No, it sounds great. You know, um, you know, I, I can see, you know, from what you've said and what those conversations we've had previously, there's been obviously been lots of ups and downs when it comes oh, yeah. to this type of stuff. And I mean, how hard is that mentally for you? Because you obviously have this ambition and this sort of vision of what you want to be doing. And, you know, you're going down one path, which seems to be the the right way and, you know, the way that you want to go and then suddenly things change and, and, and you sort of knocked back and you keep getting sort of, you know, taking one step forward, two steps back almost uh, throughout these last few years. How has that felt sort of mentally and, 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 and sort of how has it been in terms of trying to bounce back for you and, and where do you get the determination to actually keep going and keep wanting to do this and keep fighting for essentially what is your dream? It's been hard to be honest. I'm not, not going to lie. Like I've had some, some times where mentally, I, I have struggled. Like I talk about having a nine to five job and balancing the, the two things can sometimes be hard because I'm, I've got a good job and I'm, I'm grateful to have it. I would never knock it at all. But ultimately, it, it's not what, what I want to do. And the years tick by and you think at some point, I, want, I need to make a move into doing what, what I love permanently because you, I mean, I, I don't know how much, much about you and, and your job and how much you enjoy, but ultimately you spend so much of your time at work. If, you, if you're not enjoying it, it's, 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 it's like a long week, isn't it? You can have some long days, some long weeks. So I wanted to try and transition into doing something that I love and I, and I feel like I, I am doing that now. I'm, I'm kind of enjoying do, doing them both at the moment, but obviously the ultimate goal is to, to not need to do the nine to five and focus f- fully on the presenting. But it is, it is very up and down. It's been a very up and down few years. I've had some, some crazy things happen to me, so, some things that probably Villa fans wouldn't believe I found myself in situations that are just like absolutely mad at, at times that you wouldn't believe that that could that could happen to, to a fan but I've had to like kind of start again over over the last couple of years but the Villa View has always been my, my bread and butter and as long as I enjoy that I suppose it's important as well to have hobbies and have things that, that you enjoy and the Villa View has been a good platform for me and it's getting me to somewhere near where I want to be but also the thing is I actually enjoy it and I enjoy speaking to Villa fans and getting to know different Villa fans. If I wasn't doing the Villa View, I'd have never met you. I'd have never started speaking to you. People like Ty Bracey, Neil from For the Love of Paul McGrath, people like I talk to probably now on a, on a daily basis. And it, it's all come from the stuff I've done with the Villa View. So the Villa View has been great for me. And hopefully one day it will have led to me getting where I want to be. Um, yeah, I mean, some interesting points there. And I think, I mean, look from the outside looking in, for, for me, it seems like your trajectory so far almost sort of villas uh, sorry matches and mirrors of villa almost in that when we didn't go up that season it was sort of heartbreak and it was the worst feeling in the world and yeah. 
you know, it was quite hard to bounce back from that. But actually, if you look back back at it now, it's almost like a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Uh, and I think from from the outside looking in, it almost maybe like that for you as well. Because I think, and this is this is me speaking openly. I think um, what's happened is obviously you wanted to go down that one direction working for Villa, which is you know, potentially still a dream, potentially still an option in the future. But actually, what it's allowed you to do is become a bit broader in terms of what you're doing, but also improve your skill set as well. Yeah. Um, and, and do you think that's the case in terms of obviously with with Tom leaving, the fact that you've taken more ownership of the Villa View in terms of the hosting duties and being being that the main person to run the show, if you like. Um, do you think that's developed your skill set and allowed you to do things like um, Edge of the Box and, and the squad with, with BBC as well? Uh, do you think that's allowed you to sort of become a better host and a better presenter as such? Yeah, definitely, because I think Tom, like I say, I used to have it quite easy with the Villa View. I didn't have to do very much prep. I'd literally just turn up and and do it. But with no with no Tom there, obviously Dolan's come on board, and I, I love doing it with Dolan. And it's different now because, like you say, I've got to have a, a bit of ownership. I, I've got to lead it. And with it being live, there there is a pressure that does put you under pressure. I've always tried to treat everything I do as live because, really, after the Villa View, the first thing I did on the Facebook Live with Villa. It was all live, so I've got experience of it. But those first few shows when Tom wasn't there, I, I thought I was rubbish. I felt all over the place. I was very critical of myself. I, I don't often watch back stuff that I do, but I watched back both those episodes, and I thought mm, that, that that wasn't really good enough. So I've just gone back. I had had a bit of reflection and just relaxed. Really, is the main thing. I, I don't think initially in those first two shows I was relaxed at all. I was spending too much time looking at the chat that was going on as well and it was just a case of trying to transition in, into it a little more and getting back to, to being a host because I've, I've done the hosting obviously with Greg on The Athletic for, for a year or so now so I'm used to doing it but doing it live it's a completely different ball game really I can say that I treat everything as live but realistically unless it is live it is completely different there's nothing like that and I do I do enjoy that pressure now and I'm, I'm enjoying leading the Villa View again. It's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I I mean, like I said from the outside looking in, before I started this podcast, it was very easy for for someone like me or other fans who listen to the Villa View or listen to other you know, Villa fan content to critique it and and be and be like, you know, oh well, that isn't good enough. That view is terrible. Or why why did he say that or whatever? But actually, when you actually do it, when you actually experience it, when you actually try and do something like this yourself, it's only then you appreciate actually how much work goes into it, how how difficult it is to actually keep something like this going keep it flowing the ideas in your head that you need to come up with um and and i think for, for you personally speaking what i've seen is as someone who's also been always been very very knowledgeable at aston villa obviously you know you can see that with the the squad number knowledge that you have sad and things very like that sad. <laughs> very sad but very, very very niche but very good but always been very knowledgeable and, and you know some things i've agreed with some things i haven't in terms of your views and all that kind of stuff but i think what you've seen now is is someone who's very confident in their own abilities when it comes to presenting in media work especially when it comes to Aston Villa and that, I think that shines through in what you do now with the Villa View in 1874 1874 especially as as has taken a world of its own almost as well uh, with all the the player interviews that you've been doing as well on a regular yeah, basis yeah. which has been great I mean how how's that been for you? you you mentioned earlier you know the situations that you've been putting as a fan and can you explain some of those situations and some of the things that you you've been able to do in in these last few years that you've never dreamt of doing before I mean, the stuff, stuff I was talking about before was like Dr. Tony related, like a- absolutely ridiculous. Like it's probably, I could probably do a whole podcast just just on that that year that I had with that and talking to him. It, it was absolutely ridiculous. But over the over the last year or so, just making contacts and stuff is a massive thing. I think people don't realise sometimes you're only as good as, as your contact book. 
over the last over the last year or so i've got better at networking better at approaching people and talking to people and it it helps if you've got a bit of a following behind you as well like i don't don't want this to come across as arrogant but if you've got a good following people naturally they, they take you more seriously you can automatically speak to someone and they'll reply for example, because sometimes even getting a reply off people is, is impossible. But like speaking to James Chester, like that's probably a few months ago now, but just being able to, to speak to him about his time at Villa, it, it's absolutely massive. And with all due respect to, to the Villa View, you probably wouldn't jump at the chance of coming on the Villa View. But when you're saying you're doing stuff for the Athletic, that people, again, people are probably more likely to do it. Now, the Villa View probably gets more views than, than, than the Athletic, but because of people like Arsenal Fan TV, People have a certain assumption about what fan channels are, and that, that's not what the Villa View is. And it's never one, what I wanted the Villa View to be. So I kind of liked doing the two because you've got the Villa View aspect, but then working for someone like the Athletic as well, it does come with it with kind of more credibility, if that makes sense. So we've spoken to some great people, Yedinak, Chester, Curtis Davis, I've become quite friendly with over the last few months. And I've managed to get Gabby on the Villa View a couple of weeks ago as well. He's, he's been great every time I spoke, I've spoken to him. He's been great with us. So it's been good to, to to make contacts. The biggest one always for me will be Ian Taylor because he was my absolute hero as a, as a kid. And like when I first got into like, people forget as well, I used to like write for, for a villafan.com. Like yeah. I, I started off doing that probably maybe seven, eight years ago now, just just, just blogging, just just trying that, trying to get into the media, seeing, seeing, what, I, seeing what I was like at that. And I enjoyed it, but I never enjoyed it as much as, as I have done presenting but I remember writing something about Ian Taylor saying how I'd love to go for a drink with him my favourite ever player absolute hero and I can say now that he's a friend and that I've done that and again that's come from the last few years and and everything that I've done so really when I look back and sometimes I do have the tunnel vision and I look back and think well I haven't got to where I want to be so that's a that's a failure but if I go through year by year and probably look at the improvement and look at the things that have happened to me I, I shouldn't really look at that. I should look back and probably be quite proud. But I think until I get to a, a certain point, I'll, I probably won't do that. But, I mean, do you think that's good, though, the fact that you're not content with what you've done, uh, the fact that you're still, you know, still have these ambitions? Do you think that's good for you personally because it still drives you on uh, in terms of what you're looking to do in your, your career? Yeah, in some ways. But as I say, in, in other ways as well, I probably don't actually realise how, how how much I've achieved. Like, I get... I get people message, messaging me sometimes and saying like that I've inspired them, which is like a, a, a really nice thing. And I, and, and I love that. It's such a nice thing to hear from people. But again, I, I always, the thing that always comes back in my head is that people have this assumption that this is what I do full time. And I think for me, until I am doing it full time, I don't think, I don't think of it as that I've cracked anything or that, that I've done anything. But the, the reality probably is that, that I have and that people would kill to have done. Some of the some of the stuff I've done as Villa fans, so I probably need to be take stock a little bit more and be a, be a bit more grateful. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you think, but that's just the way my mind works. It's probably not not ideal. Yeah, it's difficult. I think um, it's always hard, uh, and this is a human trait more than anything else. I think always hard to appreciate what you have um, rather than what you don't. Um, I think that's yeah. just natural human instinct. So, from that perspective, you know, you totally understand it. But you know, definitely, I think. As an Aston Villa fan, you know, I'm I'm a similar age to you. Um, so we've seen the same players. We've had the same heroes. And Ian Taylor was definitely one of my heroes. And, and you know, probably 10 years ago, if someone said, who's your favourite ever Villa player, it would have been, Ian Taylor would have been near the top of the list, if not top of yeah. that list. 
So, you know, from that perspective, it's the same thing. So, you know, I think definitely you should definitely appreciate what you've done so far and be proud of what you've done. But at the same time, I think you need to have that fire in your belly all, all the time to, to keep going, to keep growing and, and become better. And I think if you didn't have that, then it could have, you could have easily just stopped, stopped what you were doing and carried on with your normal nine to five job and sort of settled, um, yeah. you know, when, when things didn't go right. And I think the fact that you haven't is it bodes well for you and your future. I think, I think that's, that's, that's where I come from. And, uh, you know, I think it is difficult, you know, this, um, you know, I've only been doing it for a few months and we, we know we get nowhere near the, the views of what you do or the exposure bill of you do. Um, but even then, you know, I know if you get one negative comment or one, you know, one remark that's slightly critical, you, you think about that all the time and you think, oh, you know, it really does affect you. I mean, how, how's that been for you personally? Because obviously, you know, some people have this perception of you uh, as a person and they don't know you. I didn't know you until very recently. And obviously I probably had a perception of you uh, personally in terms of who you were as a person, because naturally when you see someone on, on YouTube or TV or whatever, you, you think, you think, you know them, you think, you, you know, what kind of person they are. I mean, how does that affect you when you see people commenting or making comments or having digs or that kind of stuff because obviously you, now the exposure that you've got and the followers that you've got you will get that from time to time to be honest i probably understand it because i know that i i don't do it now because i know what it's like but i, I will have done it in the past 100 percent would have made assumptions about people like you say if someone puts themselves out there they're kind of there to be to be shot at I don't mind criticism. I don't really mind abuse. It's never really been something that's bothered me that much. I've had a couple of things on Twitter over the years that, that have gone a, a little bit too far that, that I didn't like and that I had to try and I've, I've had to get the police involved in, in a couple of things over the years. As I say, some wow. absolutely crazy things have happened to me. If someone wants to give me stick on social media, generally, I always try and look at it as a positive because if that person knows who, who I am, I kind of feel like I'm doing something right. If they know I'm the guy that talks about villa on youtube and they've obviously seen me and I, and I feel like i'm out there it's kind of part of it you, you've got to got to accept it I, I can deal with that kind of thing the, 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 i don't mind being criticized as a presenter i don't mind being criticized for my my opinions because let's face it i've said some terrible things over the years the stuff i said about douglas louise last christmas although at the time i genuinely believed it and thought he was really poor he's come back and made me look stupid and i've never deleted that tweet because it's there and i know i said it and everyone else knows I said it. So anyone having a dig at opinions, that's fine because everyone has an opinion. Everyone will say stuff that ends up being right. Everyone will start say stuff that's being wrong. It's like you say when people have an assumption about you as a person. Like I've seen some stuff. Like I've spoken to you about it before when you when you like see stuff on the on the on the forums on the Villa Talk forums. Because I'm not not a member of there, but I always have a look on there just to see what's going on and see if anyone's saying anything about me. It's when people say stuff about you as a person that's just like, well, you don't. You don't know me at all. I've been called, I've definitely been called arrogant at, at some point on, on forums or on Twitter. And if people know me and the Villa fans that have met me, they will tell you 100% that that, that is not, not the case. I'm just a, I'm, I'm a normal Villa fan. I, I don't think that I'm like anything special. I don't think I'm in a position of power or anything like that. But I'll always try and help people because I know that I've been in the position where you, you're trying to get through and you want people to notice you and you need help. And I've had people help me. So I'll always try and help people when I can, but that's the only bit I find difficult is if it's like someone's criticizing you personally, like your personality or your, your character, yeah. because you don't know me and you're basing it on absolutely nothing really. Yeah, no. And I think, I think that's always unfair. And I think it's the same with football players, isn't it? When yeah. you can criticize performances or what have you and, and ability or whatever and certain matches, but when it comes to taking personal digs at who they are as a person and, you know, we've all done it. We've all done stupid things. You know, I, I remember I, 
I dug out Micah Richards on, on Instagram once uh, because he got injured or something like that. Or he, he had an awful game and I was just like, this guy is a joke. You know, he's, what is he doing? And he actually, he DM'd me and said, you know, we, and we ended up having a really good conversation yeah. on the back of it. And I, I found out loads of information that I didn't really realize until he, you know, retired from football and finished playing that he came out with that I've never really talked about with anyone. And, and it's the same, isn't it? You think, yeah, you, and plenty of people are guilty of it. Um, but you know, it's just not on really, is it? Let's be honest. You know, I don't think that kind of stuff is, is helpful for anyone, but you know, it, it is part of the game, as you say. And I think as you get more and more popular and more and more mainstream, that will happen more and more, you know, you see with journalists, don't you? And Greg Evans, you know, you've got a guy you work with a lot and you know, really well now, um, he had it, he had it a lot of Birmingham mail. I've, I've been critical of some of his articles, never dug him out personally, I don't think, but I've been critical of some of the things he's come out with, but since he's been at the athletic, obviously he's been given that freedom to to write a lot more and, and you can see sort of a, some of his more natural talents coming out and his ability maybe it was curbed a little bit at Birmingham Mill but um, I mean how how important has, has someone like Greg been for you and also someone like Dolan as well because I know Dolan's been in, involved in obviously introducing people to Villa View in terms of in terms of you know football players celebrities etc which has helped the Villa View I mean how how are those two individuals how important have they been to you as well? Greg's been massive because we were talking earlier about like things going wrong and then Greg probably came to me at a time when I, well, I wouldn't say I was close to giving up, but I was kind of thinking, what's the point here? I've gone backwards. I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere. And a lot of the time in the in the media world, you're kind of relying on people to be true to, true to their word, to, to, to follow through with what they said. And in my experience up to that point, there hadn't been a lot of that. And, and Greg, obviously, that athletic, he got his job at the Athletic fully, fully deserved. Like I probably had preconceptions of what I thought about Greg when he when he was at the Birmingham Mail, but once you get to know him, he's the he's the nicest bloke in the world, the kindest bloke in the world. He'll he'll do anything for you. He's he's loyal and he, he's been really good to me. And without him, I probably wouldn't be getting the gigs now that, that I've started getting today. So I, I I can't be anything but but thankful to Greg because as soon as he went in the Athletic and they suggested that they wanted to do a podcast, they asked him who who he thought should host it, and he recommended me, and they they trusted him. And, and they went with it, and that, that, that's a massive thing. And as I say, that was at a point where I was starting to think, I'm not really going anywhere here. I probably need to start thinking about do, doing something else. And he's been massive. And Dolan, again, just a, a loyal and, and kind person, can't can't do enough for you. And he's taken some stick on social media. And again, it's just so unfair because he's he's the nicest guy in the world. He he, he loves Villa. He, he's so laid back. He just likes coming on the Villa View and giving his, his opinion on Villa. Like we suggested that he got a microphone and booked his equipment and stuff and it's just not just just not him he just wants to come on and he just wants to talk about Villa and and again just the, the nicest bloke in the world and without him I wouldn't have met some of the people that I've met today I wouldn't have found myself in some of the situations that I found myself in so, so them two really they've both, both been massive to me and I, and I love them both to bits. I suppose now looking forward and you know, you, you're doing the edge of the box now with, again, another Villa fan, Martin Lawrence, who's uh, who scores amazing website. I mean, yeah, yes, really you know, is. yes, you know, there's some limitations to how they uh, calculate their rankings and that kind of stuff. But for me personally, I think if you look at that, you know, how their top 20 players, top 30 players in the Premier League and across the world, it always makes sense to me. It always sort of fits to what you see with your eyes. So I think that's a good good sign. And, you know, the fact that they've grown and grown and grown. And I think that's going to be some really good exposure for you personally. And how has it been doing that at the edge of the box, doing the squad as well, doing more general football? And and, and, and more importantly, what's your what's your plan going forward now in terms of your, your media career, if you like? At the moment, just really seeing what happens. I've got a couple of things 
going on that, that I'm hoping are going to kick off in the, in the new year. I've, who scored is it like it's a it's a great thing for me to do because they're they're massive on social media. It's very early days. I've only only done two shows at this stage. It might not even be permanent. I mean, I, I think and hope that, that that it will be, but it's it's all baby steps. We're just seeing what works and what doesn't at the moment. But like you say, the data that, that they have, I think it's a it's a great concept for a podcast. And I think so far, although it's not getting great numbers, I think it, I think it's working, and I think long term. It will do really well. I mean, I don't know how much of it you've seen, but working with like Jonathan Jonathan Wilson, who's like a really famous football author, really famous football talker, talking about football, he does it as a living. He he makes me up my game because he makes me feel like I know absolutely nothing about football because he just knows it. He just knows everything. He always pulled out a story from nineteen forty seven. On the, on the podcast that, that we did did the other day, and he's just when you've got someone like that who's written like one of the most famous football books, and you're working with him every week, like that will that will make me better. Like I say, so sometimes, and I'm all I'm doing is I'm watching his face just to see if he thinks that's a good football point or not. And <laughs> to be fair, it's probably we're probably sitting at about fifty fifty at the moment. Sometimes I've seen his face and I've thought, yeah, he respected that view. He likes that question. And other times I'm looking at him and thinking. Oh, he thinks I'm talking a load of rubbish there. So it's getting used to working with different people as well. Like obviously, I've become accustomed to working with certain people. You get you get used to it. In a normal world, I would have probably gone for a few drinks with Jonathan before we started doing the podcast, but we're not in a normal world. The first time I met him was the, the first episode of, of doing the Edge of the Box podcast. So it's quite like a surreal situation, really. But I, I know I've got to know Martin over the last few years. Again, someone who's been very good to me didn't have to give me that gig as showing a lot of faith in me that could have gone with a, a more well-known presenter but he decided that he that he wanted to give me a chance and recommended me to them and that they liked what they saw so again very 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 fortunate sometimes it is literally just about who you know which is, is something i've not realized probably until the last 12 months yeah, I mean that is the, that's the media industry. I mean, personally, speaking personally, as someone who's worked with footballers and, and in football with agents and stuff, it's all about who you who you know yeah. when it comes to that side of things. Especially in football, it's such a incestuous industry, um, and you know a lot of people, a lot of talented people go by the wayside, but just because they don't have the contact. So that part of it is important. So you know you definitely need to consider that in everything you do. But I mean, I, I watched the last. Uh, edge of the box the, the most recent one which was about six days ago i think uh they came out with and, and you know i thought it was great and and it's really you know there's a lot of podcasts out there that do sort of preview every single game and look into them but i think who scored are at i've got that bit, little bit of an advantage with in terms of what they do with the stats and, and mm-hmm. the fact that they've got someone like jonathan wilson as well um it can only be a good thing because you know they can really set themselves up you can really set yourselves apart from from the competition because i think a lot you know things like the super sunday uh, sorry this uh, super six podcast or you know just the guardian football weekly and these kinds of things you know they tend to have great people on but they they tend to sort of speak very high level about games they don't go into a lot of detail and and, and the, the opinions that they have tend to be very generic opinions that most football fans have so i think the fact that you've got people with genuine insight and genuine knowledge behind it and the st- stats to back it up can, can only be a good thing and hopefully set you apart going forward. I mean, I mean, looking forward now, just before we move on to looking at Aston Villa and, and the upcoming game against Wolves. I mean, what, what do you think you, where, what position do you think you need to be in for you to say, I don't need to, I don't need to do my normal job anymore and I can concentrate on this going forward. I definitely need to get a couple of more, a couple more podcasts on the go. I don't know, really. I really don't know. I don't, at the moment, I don't see it as being something that, that that's going to happen soon. I probably need to get... It's difficult, isn't it? Because you'd be going into to a freelance world and 
as much as I'd love to take that risk, I know I can't do that at the moment. I know it's not not something I I, I can do. Like, like I've got a mortgage to, to pay a move house in February on a, on a on a big mortgage, so I know I can't afford to lose the salary that that I have from work. So it's just trying to just keep trying to trying to do what, what I've been doing. Try and get a couple more things on the go. Trying to make myself more established. I mean, a lot of Villa fans will, will know who I am. A lot of Villa fans won't have a clue who I am either, but. My following is very, very Villa orientated at the moment. If I stick out that I'm doing a Who Scored podcast on on general football, I don't know how many Villa fans would tune into that because they want to hear me talking about Villa. They don't want to hear me talking and presenting about the Premier League. So I suppose it's trying to build up a following outside of Villa now. But I'll, ne- I'll never stop doing the Villa stuff because, I, quite frankly, I, I love talking about Villa. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, do you think you're quite comfortable in in sort of the current setup in terms of you having a normal nine to five job but then having that ability especially in this current environment where you know we're not you're not in the office anymore you're working from home you have a lot more there's you know not commuting and i know well i've lived in london for 10 years you know before coming back to to the midlands i know what it's like when you're most of your days taken up by commuting almost um and not having that not having that time taken away from you now um, has allowed you to do these other things and, and doing it all remotely as well helps as well. Do you think you're quite comfortable just for the, for now doing it that way until, you know, maybe that big break happens in the future? Probably because I think when I looked to where I was before COVID now, it was getting a, a little bit too much really. So I would have been like starting work at seven, doing I've got an hour's commute. So I was five, half five, getting to, to work for seven, doing seven till three, then going, booting it across London to the Athletic and, and trying to do that in central London, coming back, meeting Tom or Dolan at Sky and then doing a, a Sky part, doing a, the Villa View in London. I wouldn't have been getting home till like nine o'clock and it, it was just getting, it was getting to the stage where it was too much really. So as I said, the, the COVID stuff really has it's been, the lockdown has, has been good because working from home for me is very beneficial because I can be flexible with my actual day job and as long as I get the work done and I do my hours through the week. I can fit podcasts and stuff in where, where I need to. So at the moment, I'm I'm quite comfortable with it. It's just like I say, that little voice in my head that won't be satisfied until until I'm doing it full time. I feel I know I'll feel like a failure until I'm doing it full time, and I know that's probably stupid, but I know that's how I feel. Well, I think you know, it's it's. I think it's good to be like that personally, um, because again, ambition is important. I think, and and that's what gets you to continue to drive and. Ultimately, I think people who become successful, what they want to do in life and their passion have that drive um, and they need that drive to, to keep going because it's very easy to just say, no, no, thanks. You know, I'm done. This is, I've, I've done enough now. I've, I've done I've had some great, great times, but, you know, it's not going to happen. So I give up almost. But yeah. Sure. You, you, you doing your podcast. I mean, you're, you're doing it for, for pure fun. Are you just yeah. enjoyment? Same way, yeah. same way happens, same way it takes you. I sometimes think that's like, oh, I think that's a, a good way. I see you're saying about me, my way of being a good way to be. I think I think you're always a, a good way to be because you've got. I guess you've not got any expectations of of, of where you want to go with it. You kind of just saying what happens. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I don't think there's. Well, I, I've never ever wanted to do media work or anything like that. This was more about just being able to talk about Villa. It's been great, uh, but you know, even then, you know, you're doing a bit of fun. There's times where um, things aren't working so well, and you know, guests don't appear and, and things like that. Yeah. It does become a bit you know, like, oh, I, can't be, I can't be bothered anymore. I can't be asked to do this anymore. But anyway, that is what it is. But, you know, we talked about uh, lockdown being good for you these last few months in terms of what you're doing. Aston Villa as well. It's been great, the lockdown. Yeah. Let's let's be honest. Um, 
saved us from relegation. Um, well, helped save us from relegation and, and this season as well so far. I mean, it's been a bit, bit of a mixed bag, but if you, you know, if we start the season, we would have said we're looking back after nine games and we've, you know, we've got the third best defence in the league, the sixth best attack. Jack Grealish is banging in goals and assists left, right and centre. And we're, you know, three points from the top six. I mean, you would have been pretty pleased with that, wouldn't you? I think the problem we've, we've got is, is that if at the start of the season, if you'd have been any Villa fan had been offered that, I think probably 80, 90% would have taken it, snapped your hand off, been absolutely delighted. But I think the problem is, is that we, one, we started so, so well. Also, the, team, the teams that we've beaten, if we had lost to Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, let's say, and beat Brighton, West Ham, and I can't even think of the, think of the other fixtures that, that, that we've lost off the top of my head, but do you know what I'm saying? If, we, if you'd have switched them round, I think everyone sat here absolutely delighted. But because we beat those big teams and then gone on to stumble against the lesser teams, I think it's, it's upset people a, a little bit. And I think maybe we, we do all need, me included, a little bit of a, a, a dose of, of reality. But I think when you've won those games, it is difficult to look at it as not being a missed opportunity with those, with those other guys. There's no way we should have lost to West Ham. Probably no way we should, we should have lost to Brighton. So we should, we should have at least three more points. On, on the board, which would have elevated us a little bit higher up the league. I think also now the fact we've lost four out of the last five, it doesn't that doesn't sound great. But because we got off to such a good start, we're still in a, a comfortable position. But it's, it's been weird. It's a weird time for football in general. To be honest, we could do with just drawing again. I think this winning, winning <laughs> yeah. or losing, is, isn't helping. I think if we could get a draw at Wolves on, on Saturday, it'd probably be good to get a point on the board at some point rather than just winning or, or losing. But I think it's been a great start. We probably need to be a bit more real- realistic, but it is difficult. I get that because it is difficult to think that it couldn't have been more. Yeah, I mean, it was the same last season as well, wasn't it? We were again winning or dr- or losing games. We weren't really drawing many until until post lockdown, where we yeah we drew a few, and ultimately those couple of draws. You know, look back at the Sheffield United game or the Ever- or the Everton game or you know games like that. You think you know we should have won that kind of stuff, but actually those those points that we got those types of games saved us really end of the day you know they were well, every single point was vital and I think this season it's one of those you can look at it as sort of you know you can take a high level view of it and look and sit back and think well you know we did we had a great start and we've stumbled recently but actually if you look at those game game by game and we've mentioned this in the Villa View before you know we've, when, when I've been on when you've had me on you know, really only Leeds have been the only team that have genuinely deserved to beat us and, and convincingly every other game we've been in it or we should have got a draw we should have won so from that perspective, and it probably shows in the stats as well, the fact that we've got, you know, one of the best defences in the league and, and then still attacking wise, we're still doing really well and scoring goals. It shows that we're doing all the right things, but there's just those little, that that naivety creeping, creeping back in, into these, these games where, and West Ham being prime example, where literally they've had a good two minutes, either, either you know, beginning of the first half and the beginning of the second half, that's cost us the game I mean how how do you improve that side of things or what what can Dean Smith and his staff do to help help the team improve that side of things or do you think it's more the onus is on the players to to actually buckle up and, and sort themselves out a little bit I think the West Ham game is wholly on the players as a, as a manager I don't think there's anything you can do about concentration at the start of a game you can say what you like in the dressing room but if players are coming back out on the pitch and they're not switched on and you can see goals like you say West Ham played well for two minutes of that game and they've scored two goals in that time and we've, we've ended up losing. The last thing Dean Smith would have said in the dressing room probably at half-time is, don't do what you did at the start of the first half and that they've gone and done it. So I, I don't think you can really look at the, the manager there. 
in general, though, like you say, the Leeds game, we, we, we were well beaten. If you actually look with your eyes at what you're seeing on the pitch, it's light years away from what we were doing last season, especially going forward. We're, we are an exciting team. We are a team that neutrals will, will enjoy watching for all the hype that there is about Leeds. And they've had some games where they've looked excellent and they've had some games where I've watched them and thought they were really, really poor. But we, we will be one of the neutrals team's favourite, sorry, some of the neutral fans' favourite teams to watch because we've got we've got one of the most exciting players, if not the most exciting player in the league. We've got Ross Barkley with him with him now as well. Neutral fans are going to like John McGinn and and, and Louise. Defensively, we we were looking looking quite solid. We've got a, we've got a likable side. We've got a likable manager. It's it's difficult, isn't it? Because like I said, that what what you are watching on the pitch is so far away and so much better than anything I saw last season. I, we, we're not going to be in a relegation dogfight this season. We might not get into the top ten, but I don't I don't think we'll be too far away from it. There's a, there's a visible improvement and you've got to be happy with that because you think about Wolves, I felt like we were so far away from the level of Wolves last season. Now it doesn't feel like there's too much in it, in it really. It feels like we've, we've pulled the gap back a little bit and we won't be too far away from their level. That's massive really in the space of 12 months. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm exactly the same as you. Wolves especially was, you know, you could only, yes, they're rivals and there's a bit of needle there between the fans, but you can only applaud what they've done and how they've improved yeah. over these last few 100%. years. And, and it was almost, you know, and Dean Smith mentioned this before, you know, they, he was looking up to them almost like, this is where we need to be. This is how good we need to be. And this is how we need to improve. And the fact that we've done it so quickly, again, it's almost like the debt to the detriment of Dean Smith. Um, the fact that we get, we, 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 we uh, were promoted probably a year too early. And the fact that we stayed up last year and the fact that we're doing so well at the beginning of this year, you know, we're just doing better than anyone expected. And then your expectations are, you know, realigned and, and, you know, you set them at a different level almost as a fan. Um, but I mean, you, you mentioned there about being likable um, as a team, but do you think, do you think that's also a weakness of our team? Do you think that we're missing a bit of a nasty streak in our team? And the fact that we are a little bit too nice at times, do you think that, that, that still needs to change? Or do you think, do you think we've changed quite a lot from last year and we, we've got that now? I wouldn't say we've got a nasty streak, but I think we've got a unity and we've, we've, we've got a team out there at times. I don't think that was there last season, but towards the back end of the season, last time around, it started, it started to creep in and it's followed on into, into this season. So there's a nucleus of a, of a, of a good team there. There's, there's not really a nasty streak. Like we haven't got a typical nasty destroyer in, in midfield. For example, our, our deep lying midfielder that sits in front of the, of the back four is, He's, he's very skillful, great technique, and his defensive side has improved. No end, Douglas Louise, but he's not a nasty player. He's a, I suppose, Jack is the, is the, is the nasty player, even though he's not particularly nasty. If that makes sense, just because he's, I mean, he's a million times a player. Robbie Savage was, and this is a terrible example. But do you know, what I mean, he whines the opposition fans, and the opposition fans don't like him. So he's, he's as close to the na- nastiness as it gets <laughs> without being nasty. So that, that doesn't really make sense. So I, I do get what you're saying. And it's something that gets leveled at, at Dean Smith as well, that, that he's too nice, but I, I don't think Dean Smith gets enough credit for what he's done to completely be, I mean, we were lucky with what happened with, with lockdown. Very good for Villa. I don't think we stay up without it, but to be able to reevaluate, never lose your call, get it back together. There were some of those games when we football first came back and you were watching them and you were thinking, what well, what are we doing here? We don't look like we're going to score in a million years. We'd look, we'd lose one nil, but we'd actually look quite solid defensively. But that actually gave us a platform to do what we did at the end of the season. So I think Dean Smith deserves a lot of credit for completely ripping it up, being prepared to take stick, to haul the heat off the team as well. 
I think kind of you don't need to be to be nasty to do well. And I think Dean Smith's shown that because whatever anyone says, I think he's over overachieved. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think he's massively underrated. And, uh, you know, whether he can push on to the next level remains to be seen. Same with our players, you know, there's, there's still question marks about that. But the fact that we've achieved what we have, you know, you look at Bielsa and the plaudits he gets and, and you know, deservedly so considering his career. But actually, Dean Smith, what he's achieved in a short time at Villa, completely you know, getting promoted in his first season, keeping us up when, let's be honest, you know, Yes, you know, we were all Villa fans as, as as Villa fans were always hopeful. And the fact we came up to the Premier League, you're always thinking of the best that you can do. But in reality, that squad was never good enough. No, it was really terrible looking back. It was, it was a terrible looking back. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that we've improved in key areas this year and the, the massive improvement we've made. Because it is a, for to, to being one point off being relegated to then performing how we have this season is a massive, massive uptick in form and performance levels. So from that perspective, you know, there's not many managers who could do that. And going forward now, really, I think there's there's the, I think for Villa fans, I think there's there's always a, a little bit of a worry that we're going to start sliding down the table just because we've lost these last few games. But as we've said, if you look at those games in context, actually, there's still plenty to be hopeful about. Looking at the January window now, before we move on to the Wolves game, do you think there's a few key areas that we need to improve on to make sure that we continue to improve and continue to you know, st- sort of stay in that mid-table position and maybe even do better than, than mid-table? I think you could probably go through most positions in the squad. I mean, I said this to you earlier on text and you could realistically improve the squad because the squad, outside of the first 13-14, it's pretty, it's pretty thin in, in quality. We're lacking in certain areas. So you could argue that maybe, except for goalkeeper, most areas in terms of the squad could be could be improved. Maybe central midfield is okay. You wouldn't need to, to to improve that. There's decent competition in there, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we did absolutely nothing in, in January. I think it's a it's a really difficult market. I don't know whether it will be easier this year because of the way the way of the world. Probably not. We need another another striker. That's the one thing that has disappointed me is that we've not really learned the lessons of last season in in not having a striker as an alternative. We've got Watkins. You can't rely on Davis to stay fit. God knows what's going to happen with, with Wesley. He's had an absolutely awful injury. He's not just going to come back and, and be fully fit and hit, hit the ground running. He was still settling in at the time he got injured. So he, he's not going to be a write-off this season, but I think it's going to be very difficult for him to be starting games this season. I think he'll probably be used as, as an impact sub. So we're 100% sure up front. If we are to improve anywhere, it has to be to have an alternative to Watkins because I think in some games you could move him out wide, pull Jack in centrally if things aren't aren't going well. But you spent twenty eight million pounds on him as a as a centre forward, so he's going to play as a centre forward every week. It's it's about trying to be clever and get someone in who's a who's a viable alternative. Maybe someone in the thirties that's happy to, to sit on the bench. We still lack a bit of, of Premier League experience. The players from last season are now better. For a year in the Premier League, you look at the likes of Louise and Concer and the strides they've made compared to where they were this time last year. He's absolutely huge. Trezeguet even. I know he gets stick, but there is a massive improvement there. Mm. And that comes from being more experienced and more adept in the league. I think we probably need another alternative up front who's been around the Premier League. He's happy to sit on the bench and be a backup and come on and, and impact games. But it's easy to suggest that. It's not as easy to find it because transfers are just an absolute nightmare. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, I mean, uh, although we spend 28 million on Watkins, I think, you know, the way football works and the way that we play, especially, you know, we we, tr- we almost try and copy that Liverpool style almost with the with the front three. 
you know, it doesn't really matter if he's playing up front by himself or playing off the left or the right. We still play with, they're still very attacking players. You look at Grealish this year, I think, you know, there's a, a, a massive reason why he's, his end product has improved massively is because he's in those positions a lot more. Uh, and the fact we're letting him stay high up the pitch uh, with the likes of Barkley there as well. So, you know, even if Watkins plays from the left, then I don't think it's a massive issue because he's still getting those goal scoring positions and still being those attacking positions. But I definitely agree. I think strikers are massively needed, uh, maybe even, if not a striker, then a winger at least uh, to improve on Trezeguet. Although I, lo- I love Trezeguet, but I still think end product wise, you know, you still need an improvement there. But one team that we're, obviously one team who are struggling for, for striking options is Wolves. Obviously the, uh, the m- really horrific injury that, Raul Jimenez uh, suffered uh, against Arsenal. He obviously he won't be playing and probably won't be playing again this season, depending on how he recovers. I mean, what what's been your thoughts on on Wolves uh, this season? How do you think they will adapt without Jimenez, who's such an important and vital player for them? Yeah, I mean, I did a podcast with the the Wolves writer for the Athletic, Tim Spears, today, and he was saying Jimenez. He's, he's just irreplaceable. He's easily their most important player because the backup to him again, a bit, a bit like us. The alternative, the thief. So got an eighteen-year-old. Yes, he cost thirty-five million pounds, but he, he's, he's not ready, Fabio Silva, to come in and start games. So they're kind of having to go with either Pedence or or Neto as kind of a, probably a, a false nine in in the striking position now, and it's disrupted them because he's their main goal scorer. You take the main goal scorer out of any team. And they're going to struggle. I, I always find them a funny side to watch Wolves, especially in the first half of games. I always find them a bit of a difficult watch. You don't ever, because I don't think they score many goals in, in the first half. And then in the second half, they, 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 they come out and look like they, they might score a few goals. They've switched up their system recently as well, gone to gone to four at the back. So they're, they're in transition. Tim, Tim Spears was saying they're absolutely in transition this season. He doesn't envisage them being the team. They finished seven, two years running. He says there's no chance of them probably doing that. This year, he thinks the Wolves fan base are accepting that this is a transitional year. They're going to have to take a hit and, and, and go again next year off the back of, of two very good seasons and that Nuno's aware of that as, as well. So I think we've got a good chance of, of taking something on, on Saturday. I mean, I was, he said that Adama Traore hasn't got a goal or an assist since since December, which I, I didn't realise. I know he sat on the bench a few times this season, but that's a... That's the kind of stat that worries me as a Villa fan rather, rather, <laughs> yeah. than, me think, rather than me thinking it's a good thing. That just makes me think, put a bet on Adama Troy, all right, to, to, to score at the, the weekend. Because if he, if he hasn't scored for, for nearly a year, they're quite good at letting players that haven't scored for a while score against him. But that, that surprised me. I don't think they're quite to the level they've been at the last two seasons. But again, to criticise them is stupid because the strides they've made over the last couple of years, however they've done it, is, it's incredible. Yeah, no, I think so. I think I think Nuno go, uh, you know, Nuno for them has been. I was going to say Nuno Gomez then. Yeah, <laughs> wrong guy. Portugal striker. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, you know Nuno Espirito Santo uh, has been fantastic for them because I think a lot of their, you know, they've bought some excellent players. Don't get me wrong, and obviously the the link up with the agent has been massive for them. But I think the system that they've played over the last few years has helped them massively because they're so well drilled and organised. That really, in reality, if you watch Wolves play. They aren't very. They aren't very pretty to watch at all. They they, they no. play decent football, but they're, they're not structured. expansive. They're very stru- exactly very structured, and they and they get a lot. Of their, they were getting a lot of their goals on the counter, um, and they were so everything that they do is built on their defensive solidity, uh, and that was because of the three five two formation they were playing. And I think what a lot of teams have sussed out. Uh, and you know, I think we've seen this with with some of the victories that you've seen against them, and the fact that they've struggled against the lesser teams and done well against the better teams is the fact that those lesser teams have just sort of sat back off Wolves and let them play um, because then they've struggled. They haven't been able to create because they haven't had that 
you know that expansive nature almost in that formation or the way that they play they've been able to break teams down and they've and they've they've faltered because of that and 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 obviously we've seen now what Nuno's has done is has changed the formation now they're playing with a four, with the with the uh, back four now instead of a instead of a back three or back five um and you know we saw against Liverpool really they were quite Connor Cody making an uncharacteristic mistake uh, that led to the led to the first goal I mean do you think before with Wolves, I always thought, you know, yes, we beat him under Bruce and, and that was a great win, but we just we don't seem to get the better of him at all. And I'm always worried about a game against Wolves. But do you think that there's actually more chance for us now to, to, get, to get goals against them now? They've changed the formation and the way that they play. Do you think they're a bit more open now? Yeah, I, mean, I think we've lost three years, not three years in the match, but three years of the last four we've played. And I think we've lost at Molyneux every time and, and not been in the game. And so I, don't, I know we did score, didn't we? Because we scored at the end last year, but you know, we've, we've not scored in two of those games as well. So they've, they've been a team that, that have had the better of us. I don't think they're the same side that they've been over, over the last two years. One thing that, that makes me laugh when I, when I look back, it's a bit of the same with Leeds as well. Is like when we're in the Championship, like the Wolves fans are all about, oh, Neves is, is better, than, better than Grealish. Leeds fans, Hernandez is, is better than Grealish. But really, I mean, Hernandez doesn't play for Leeds. Neves hasn't really has been in and out this season so far. He's nowhere near the level that, that he should be at and, and Jack's absolutely smashing it. So you absolutely love seeing seeing things like that because I think a few years ago, Neves was getting all, was getting all the plaudits. The Wolves fans were saying Neves was, was twice the player of Greenish and, and now look what, what's happening, albeit they're in completely different positions. I, I think we'll get something. I think it'll probably end up being our, our, our first draw. I, I think that it could be quite cagey because I think... Part of me thinks Smith might go back to try and making us a little bit more solid after the last few games. I don't think he'll be happy with what he's seen defensively over the last few weeks. A part of me feels like we might cancel each other out and it'd be, it'd be a low-scoring draw. But there's a chance There's a chance for a win. If we play like we have done in, in most of our games, we play like we did against West Ham, for example, we'll, we'll, we'll win. Nine times out of ten, we win that game at West Ham a couple of weeks ago. And before that, we'd won every away game. So away games haven't really been the problem. So there's every chance we'll take some. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I mean, Adama, Troy and against Target does worry me slightly. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's I think a problem. I, it's a problem because tar- Target is great going forward. But, you know, last year, at the well, after lockdown, you know, he went off injured. Um, he didn't have a great game before that. Uh, before You know, and, and when he's come ac- um, against top class right wingers, I don't. I think he struggled a little bit. I think Adama could get the better of him. But at the same time... I do like think he's said, improved. He's improved yeah, though, defensively, definitely. definitely, he's, definitely. he's toughened up a little bit. Definitely toughened up. And I think he's actually been really good this year. And him and Cash, I think our fullbacks generally have been very, very good. And I know Cash had maybe had an iffy game against Leeds, uh, but or, or Southampton, sorry. Um, but I think generally he's been fantastic. as as uh, In terms of what I expected of him, I think he's exceeded yeah. those expectations and, yeah, and target as well i think target gets a rough deal from a lot of the fans and yes you know it's an area potentially we could improve on with something a bit more dynamic in terms of pace and, and strength and what have you but i think generally speaking you know he's so important to the way that we play yeah uh, the link up with jack's incredible and jack will jack will love playing with him and jack jack has a big say in what what goes on at aston villa and if jack likes playing with him he isn't going to be replaced anytime soon no exactly and you know we, it is like you say we we do everything off the left don't we generally speaking because of jack and uh, and probably why you see Trezeguet have so many chances at the back post because yeah. everyone gets pulled across but you know it's one of those games where it, it could go either way and i think that's great the fact that we've improved that that much you know i think if it was this time last year that definitely the game last year against wolves there was no way that we i thought we were going to win that and then everything seems to go wrong for us in that game steer getting injured uh you know we, uh, someone else got injured in the warm up target target target, 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 target went off 
target went off. Um, yeah, there just seemed to be everything was going wrong and, and it just wasn't wasn't our day. But I think this game definitely is an opportunity for us. And I think, I mean, looking at their danger men, Neto and Pedenza are probably their two best players, I think, going forward. But obviously, yeah, they're def- very good. Pedenza is very, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that goal he scored against Arsenal was fantastic. Neto has probably been the best player this season. Bolly and Cody are so, you know, so resolute at the back and so strong at the back again. But again, I think Watkins can, you know, we've seen Watkins do well against the very best in Van Dijk and, um, and against Gabriel, against Arsenal, you know, and even against Leicester, he did, he did fairly well. So there's definitely opportunity for him. I mean, if you were looking at the game now, obviously we'd take a draw. I think we both would. But what's your what's your expectation and what do you think the, the result, what do you think his final score would be? If I was pushed, I'd, I'd say probably 1-1, one, one, I think. We'd, we'd go ahead and then then end up conceding in, in the typical Villa way. But I do think we can cause them a lot of problems. I think Watkins is the kind of player that can make Cody uncomfortable. He, and he, his rise, really, I don't think he gets enough credit. His, his rise has been incredible and he's probably forced his way into the England squad for the Euros now. I'd say I'd say he's pretty much certain to, to go to the Euros now, especially if they if they stay with, with the back three. But I do think Watkins is the kind of player that can make him uncomfortable. A, a lot depends on Jack. Doesn't he? If Jack plays well and Jack has an end product, we've got every chance of, of winning the game. I mean, Samado probably won't have come up against anyone really like Jack in his t- in his time in the, in the Premier League so far. So I think he, I think definitely he cause him him problems def- defensively. Samado, I think Jack will be that'll be an interesting battle, and I can see Jack coming out on top of that. If Watkins can then get in that channel, and I think his pace could upset Cody down that channel as well. I think he could pull him out. I think I think we could cause him problems. But then, like you said, they've got players that, that can cause us problems as well. And if we defend like we have done in the last two games, we'll shoot goals. So it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I know. I hope Jack plays from the left because I think Samedo is a good, a decent right back. You know, gets up and down that right flank really well. But he definitely can be got out. Um, yeah. And I think if Jack comes central, then the issue is I think someone like Dodonka, who did really well against in the, in the our home game against them end of last season, and was one of the only players really to. Mark Jack out the game last season. I think he did really well against him. So I think if Jack comes central, there, I'm a little bit. I'll be a little bit worried about that happening again. But I think if he comes, if you're playing off a left, I think we've got definitely got an opportunity to do well in this game. But I think I think I'm going to go for a two-one win. I'm going to be optimistic, bold. Uh, bold, bold statement. But I think you know we need we need to turn it around, don't we? It's a shame Newcastle game was called off because I think oh, yeah, well, I think we'd have won that. I think we'd have won definitely there. won that. Hundred yeah. percent. We'd have yeah. been so, a reaction. Definitely, definitely agree. And you know. The Newcastle will be missing players, so it's a shame it didn't happen. But I think we need—we just need to bounce back, and, and a draw would be great. I'd, I'd definitely take a draw. Don't get me wrong, but it'd be great to get an away win against Wolves. So I'm going to go for two-one. Right. So uh, that's it, really, on the, on the Wolves game. So time for the final part of the show—the part that everyone loves. Um, it's the not me. <laughs> I've been we'll quite see. nervous about this, to be honest. <laughs> let's <laughs> see. How, let's see how you get on. Let's see how you get on. We're uh, we are going to Dan's going to take this opportunity to. Uh, try and get his three things into Aston Villa room Aston Villa's version of room 101 which is Didier Cease Didier six right Dan so uh, name of the game for those for those who haven't listened to for the first time the way it works is uh, well originally it was called Didier Cease or Didier six as I called it initially but I've, I've been told to pronounce it properly in the French way um, but the idea was you had six opportunities to put something into Aston Villa Room 101 and you had 60 seconds to debate each point. Um, and now that's changed. To, we've sort of whittled it down to three. So you get two points for each. Um, and it has to be Aston Villa related. It can be very loosely Aston Villa related. As long as it's sort of football related, it's fine. Um, 
so what happens is Dan will have 60 seconds to, to basically put his case forward. Then we have a little debate and then I'll decide whether it goes in or not. And then at the end of the, uh, the, the three choices, he gets a final score and then he gets put on the scoreboard. And at the end of the, uh, end of the season, whoever wins, um, will get a special prize. If there's more than one, then we'll have a, we'll have a shoot off of some, some, some stage, but, um, Dan, you ready for your, your first one? I'll, I'll get not, the, uh, not really, but yeah, <laughs> I'll, we'll get the I'll get the stopwatch started. Ready? Go. Okay. So first one, it feels a bit harsh, especially considering we haven't been to, to, to Villa Park for, for nearly 12 months, but everyone will know that it's just that some of the unreasonable people that, that go to Villa Park. And there's a few in particular in the hole that they seem to take long joy from a Villa player making a mistake. The kind of person that, will shout forwards whenever the team starts passing the ball backwards, but then they'll absolutely lambast someone and berate them if they do play it forwards and give the ball away. And like I know that we've we've all got opinions and I'm a fine one to call out people giving their opinion because I'm doing it all over the place in podcasts. But do you know what I mean? Like there's a guy in front of me at the villa, I talk about him all the time on on the Villa View. I remember when uh Connor Harahan got subbed off against West Brom in the league in the championship and he absolutely like pelted him. It was so personal just absolutely killing him and then a month or two later after he's called him all sorts kind of scores against West Brom in the, in the playoff semi he's like up on his chair like like singing the chant and I was just sitting, sitting there thinking I remember you when he, when he got subbed off absolutely pelting him and like I get that we all times up ourselves. times oh, up God, we times both, we've that gone. went fast that went that fast, went fast. See, it's hard isn't it it's tough it's tough yeah. it's tough um, I mean yeah I get it I mean I've set I've so I've had a season ticket on and off since uh Martin O'Neill's first season, and it's always been Upper Hulk K4. Yeah, that's exactly where I was. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think I might have seen you, but yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, I I, I had the same in the Martin O'Neill days. Petrov used to get pelters um, all the time, and it was almost like get him off, get him off, he's shit, get him off, he's shit, and then he'd score a goal and he'd be celebrating. And even some yeah, fans, I've, I've I've seen some fans who actually won't even celebrate when the player that they've been criticizing has scored because yeah i've seen that as well it's weird i don't get it like why 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 do you i mean i get criticizing players and i get you you get annoyed at a game all that kind of stuff but actually to the, the fact that they've scored and done something for your team and you're not even you're that stubborn that you can't even you know it's almost like you take like you say take joy of of what's us the point what's work. the point of going like I, I don't get what some people get out of actually going to, to, to games like he doesn't look like he ever enjoys himself the first thing he says when the, when when we kick off is come on you lazy bunch of overpaid bastards or something he shouts it at the start of every game it might be a superstition but like that's how little enjoyment you were taking from going to the game i just don't get it and I, th- I think actually we've the fact that we haven't had fans has helped us a little bit as well i mean some yeah. games don't get me wrong it would have would have helped to have villa fans there especially against the big big ro- lo- local rivals and the evening games and stuff like that but definitely games where we're you know i think about against games against West Ham when we were struggling or Brighton when we were struggling and trying to break teams down. You know, Villa fans are not patient bunch, are they, when it not, comes to... Not at all. You know, they, they don't like us sort of, uh, you know, trying to work the work the, work the the play and, and trying to create opportunities. They want us to poof it forward and get into space and get it into the box as quickly as possible. And that's not the way that we want to play sometimes. So I, I think I don't think it's conducive sometimes to playing really attractive football. So and um, this is... I could play devil's advocate and I could, I could, I could sort of... I put the other case forward but i think this is a fairly straightforward one this is a this is not really a controversial opinion i think most people agree with this so yeah i mean this goes into aston villa room 101 in it goes a good start mate. good start so one happy out of one so far happy one so your your second one 
Ready, go. So this next one is obviously I've spent a lot of time in London. So you get obviously the Arsenal fans, you know what the Arsenal fans are like, Chelsea fans. But then you also get like the Man U fans, like the people that glory hunt they have never been to a game in their life. But then they give you shit when Villa lose. And like I make an effort to get back from, from London down south to, to get to Villa game. So support who you want. I get that. But like I'd, I'd never knock people for not going to games. I'd never knock Villa fans for not, for not going to games. But if you're... Glory hunting Man U fan, and I'm making more effort than you, and you're giving me grief. I, I can't accept that. So, like, anyone can say what they want to me because everyone's circumstances are different as, as a Villa fan. But if you glory hunt and give me the big one, then I, I don't think that's right. And when you ask them why they support Man U, and they say it's oh, the first team I ever saw play on TV, and you like say to them, well, who were they playing? They're playing themselves. There was another team playing. <laughs> so I just, I can never be, never be doing with that. that. I don't like that at all. It's very loosely Villa based those days. No, no, no. Okay, that is, um, that's a very, very loosely Villa based, but you, you managed to, you've managed to get Villa in there somehow. So I'll allow it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I worked in London for 10 years as well, so I understand it. Um, but yeah, even not just London, anywhere really in Birmingham as well, you know, you see, uh, you know, I've got cousins and stuff who support Liverpool, Man United, and, and yeah. things like that, and they never, never really watch their games or anything like that. But as soon as Villa lose, it's you know straight on WhatsApp or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, just to give you give you shit basically. So it's horrible. It, it's horrible, yeah. And and and, I've, and you take you know, obviously seeing us beat Liverpool, for example, seven two this season, is something that we're not been able to shout about something like that for a long time. So that was very, you know. Very much enjoyed that. So th- again, this is <laughs> not very controversial. Again, it's very hard not to uh, not to argue against this because uh, I feel like I should be getting penalised for not being controversial, but I feel like I don't have any controversial grievances. No, 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 that's fine. I think uh, you know it's your choice in the day. It's your your show, mate. So uh, you put forward whatever you want. Um, yeah, I mean, this is again straightforward. It's going straight into room one hundred and one because I, I mean, I've 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 come come across those fans all the time. Um, those those fans who don't actually they don't even know who's starting their eleven. They couldn't even name their, yeah. their starting eleven from the last game. You know those types of fans. You come across them in London all the time. That you know I think the Far Show makes a. Um, uh, I don't know if you ever watched the Far Show. I love the Far Show. I used to love it when I was younger. Um, there's the one the Arsenal fan who goes to the Arsenal games, isn't he? And he uh, yeah. pretends pretends to know what he's talking about. And that that is you get that a lot in London. You do definitely get that a lot in London. Arsenal so, fans are the worst as well. Arsenal fans are the worst. Yeah, definitely the worst. Um, so that yeah, for that reason, goes into room 101. So two out of two. I've played it safe and I'm getting away with it. You played it safe. Oh no, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the third one. You ready? Yeah, I think so. Go. So I'm guilty. I know I'm a bit guilty of this as well, but you know, it's like how we as Villa fans, I think we all hero worship lone players a little bit too much. And the, the one that it doesn't annoy me, but gets to me a little bit is like when people say, come home Tammy, to Tammy Abraham, because it is in his home. We use Villa as a means to an to an end, really. Villa did very well out of it. He did very well out of it. But he, I think, in some ways, Tammy Abraham thinks he's he's better than Villa. I think he's a Chelsea boy. He he's always wanted to play for Chelsea. I kind of always feel like he he's felt Villa was a little bit beneath him in some ways, and I, and I know that he was so so close to leaving to go to Wolves in that January. If Jack hadn't intervened, he'd have definitely joined Wolves. So it's like when fans say "come home" to someone like like Tammy, I always who I love Tammy. Don't get me wrong, but I always think. It's a, bit, it's a bit much. It, it, it's not his home at all. So I think when we catch feelings for lone players in some ways, I think it, it needs to be the right one. Like Snodgrass, Snodgrass genuinely loved being at Villa, want, wanted to come back. I genuinely don't think Tammy ever wanted to join Villa full-time. 
Right. Okay. This is an interesting one. This is this is a bit more controversial, I think. Uh, okay. Mainly because, um, you know, I think we've all been guilty of it, and I'm sure I've seen you. Oh, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm sure. So it's, it's a. I suppose it's a, from that perspective, it's difficult to put it in because if you've done uh, if you've done those things, then you, you want to put it in room one one. You want to put yourself in room one one almost as, as well. And I, it's and more, be, the, it's more be, the coming I, home aspect. It's the coming right, home fine. aspect because right, okay. it's, it's not he's not his home. Right, okay. well, that, that's, that's different then. I think if you said uh, the fact you're catching feelings for lone players, I think we've seen that with Ross oh, Barkley yeah, a little bit. Uh, and, you know, the fact that at the end of the day, you know, I think we've seen people talk about how Ross Barkley has been an amazing signing, but then they'll say Douglas Luiz is a glorified loan. But actually, we're going to get money for him if we sell him. So it's better yeah. that, that from that perspective. But I, I think catching feelings for that, I think we all do it from time to time. So if I was going to put that in room one one, then I'd be putting myself in room one. But the fact that you just changed it, to Actually, I'm just trying to get myself in. And I, oh, I, I don't should, know. Even, even I don't think you should put that one in. No, I, 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 yeah, I think uh, it was after the 60 second allotted time as well that you said that. Well. I was. I know. It? I know yeah. you said you said coming home initially, but then you you sort of you try to wall it out a little bit. It's a, it's a general one, isn't it? I accept that that's not going going in, and I accept that that's fair. But like, like Twan Zabi, for example, I actually really think he loved Villa and would would have come back. I actually think he genuinely loved it. And I'm not knocking Tammy because he's a Chelsea boy. That that that's his prerogative. So he so he should be. But I just think I, I feel like I know that he came so close to going to Wolves as well. But it's it's, it's talking about home element. Like I, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I, I I think it's a difficult one to put room on a one, but I get it. I know what you're saying. I, I think I was, Tammy... I was struggling. I was struggling yeah. for something. This was a um... panic last one. Yeah, I mean, I I get it, but I don't think it's a strong enough no. case to put in room on a one. So for that reason, I'm afraid it doesn't go in. I wanted Rushton to have the glory. <laughs> so R- Rushton continues to lead three out of three. Well, I'm sure we'll get someone else to get three out of three at some point. But Dan, I'm afraid, great effort though. Two out of three. You're second on the uh, the leaderboard. Joint second. I'll take that. Joint second that. with about fifty other people, but still better. Than I've done me. a lot of podcast preparation today, and that was the main one that I, I didn't. I was struggling with it. I was worried about it. It was the only bit of preparation I was worried about. The fact you're worried about is is good, mate. It's good. You obviously yeah. took it seriously. But I did. mate, thanks for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh really appreciate your time uh coming no, on. A pleasure. Love talking to you. But um no, it's been great to talk about uh, you know, sort of your career so far in the media and where you hope it goes. Um it's been great and, and really interesting insight as well into some of the experiences you've had. Great to talk about Villa, obviously, as well, and looking forward to the Wolves game. Um and then well done on Didier Cease as well. You know, two out of three isn't bad. Not to be sniffed at, mate. That's a tough game. No, no, tough I'd game. Take, I'd have taken it if I was offered that. Hundred percent, I would have taken that. Perfect. Well, um, well, we'll be. Well, thanks for your time again, mate. Absolute pleasure, like I said, to have you on. We'll be back uh, post the Wolves game, obviously, with the lockdown lowdown review of the of the match with the usual crew. Um, I assume Dan, you'll be doing a, a live post match pint. After the Wolves game, I'm actually having a week off. The people you are are doing it, yeah. I'm, I've handed over the reins to, to Neil. Neil's gonna gonna have a go at presenting. But I haven't missed a week since since we came since we came back in in when was the winter season? Like in June. Yeah. So I haven't missed a week since then. So I'm I'm, I'm taking a weekend off. So yeah, giving yourself a rest. Well, well deserved yeah. rest. Squad but rotation. Be, squad rotation. That'll be good. Neil's fantastic. Uh, if, and if you, ever, if you never listened to for the Liverpool McGrath, listen to it. It's such a good crack. Such a good. Uh, just a really good fun podcast to listen to especially yeah. post games when paddy goes on a rant it's uh, worthwhile listening to but thanks again dan for your time like i said we're back after the uh, the wolves game with the with the lockdown lowdown uh, and we're back next week with the late night ramble as well hopefully with a special guest if all if all goes well and let you know more about that on our social media channels but um 
If this is the first time you're listening, then please do subscribe. On We're on all the major podcast platforms. If you're on Apple, please leave a, leave a review and rating. It helps us out a lot. Um, and thank you for listening again. And thank you for your time, Dan. And apart from that, up the villa. Up the villa. I love it. Manu bahut changa lagda.